give place for the girl is not dead but sleeps in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I mean, dear friends, uh, it should be pretty obvious to you that if we look at things both in the church and the world, they're not really uh, getting any better. They're in fact getting worse and worse uh, on a global scale. And it makes us pause and, and reflect uh, about the state of affairs in, in both the church and in the world. What we are witnessing today is uh, this uh, worldwide revolution. Pope Francis recently, uh, at the beginning of November, in his motto proprio uh, to the Pontifical uh, Academy of Theology, stated uh, that, uh, looking at the world and humanity, that with its problem, its wounds, its challenges, its potential uh, theological reflections, he says, must make room for an epistemological and methodological rethinking. And it is therefore called to a courageous cultural revolution. And that's what we are witnessing a cultural revolution worldwide which has as its master the devil himself. Uh, it's the, uh, the foundation, the foundation of the revolution is satanic and uh, it is uh, there simply to undermine the social Christian fabric of society and what's left of it. And this has been going on for many years now, and we've seen it uh, enter the heart of the church since the Second Vatican Council. But what we are witnessing is uh, this cultural revolution. And this, the aim of the cultural revolution is to usher in a, a new mindset. And it's not something new in history. We saw this in many uh, parts uh, of our history, uh, uh, even in the Old Testament. You saw uh, uh, Antiochus IV, Epiphanes, who tried to make the Jews uh, abandon their customs, their practice, their habits. And that was when you saw the Maccabean revolt who brought down this, this uh, Mahdi emperor to his knees. Uh, they revolted. They rebelled. They would not accept the revolution, which had at its heart uh, a work to take them away from their God. They rebelled. And we saw this uh, in the French Revolution. We saw it in the, the Protestant Revolution. Uh, we've seen it in the history of our faith. And in 1966, uh, we saw uh, the uh, Cultural Revolution in very clear terms in uh, modern-day China, where Mao Zedong declared that we must get rid of four things, four uh, things to usher in this new revolution. And the four things were the old ideas, the old culture, the old customs, and the old habits. So we can usher in a new world order, a new idea of things based on uh, secular humanist ideals, uh, a godless system. And we are seeing this today, both leaders in the church and in the state uh, are working for this secular humanist Masonic ideal. And they are not uh, doing it by accident. It's not they are naive. And when I say they, I mean, let's take, for example, our current Prime Minister. He is literally a card-carrying member of the Communist Party and has been for over 20, 30 years now. A card-carrying member 
of the Communist Party. His ideals are no different than the communist ideals. Communist China, the biggest violator of the environment, of human rights, and we, make, we act like nothing wrong with China. Why? Because they're our, they're our model for our modern secular humanist uh, governments. It's done on purpose. And as I was quoted to you at the very beginning, Pope Francis, he is uh, uh, the religious leader of the United Nations. His ideals are no different than the Masonic uh, anti-Christian organization known as the United Nations. No difference. He's just a religious puppet. for, And it's not done by accident. They're not naive. They're not stupid. It's done on purpose. Uh, and whether they claim to be uh, 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 coming from religious countries, Islamic countries, all their leaders, religious and secular, they all have the same goal, uh, to usher in a Masonic ideal of society. And again, I've said to you, this is not something that is new uh, for us. Uh, and we are seeing today, uh, uh, as Mao Zedong did, he got the young people, he established the Red Guard to denounce anyone, parents, teachers, uh, anyone who resisted uh, his uh, new revolutionary ideas. And they were imprisoned and put to death. Today we do the same thing. We have our, our young people in our universities all brainwashed with the woke ideas. And uh, anyone who opposes them is persecuted, attacked. And you saw this in the, the recent uh, uh, so-called uh, Yes campaign. Uh, why, uh, Despite the fact that the Yes campaign was not popular, why was it that there was hardly any no campaigners at the polling booths? Because they were afraid. They were afraid of the insults, the being attacked, humiliated, shamed for simply standing up uh, against these evil people. Uh, same thing today. All of our founding fathers, and with all, their, with all their faults, shortcomings and failings, are attacked. Whether it's Captain Cook, whether it's uh, uh, Don Cortez, it doesn't matter. Uh, they're all attacked. Why? Because they want to destroy what these founding fathers brought. And what did they bring essentially? The Christian faith to barbaric nations like Australia. And everybody uh, uh, living in these, these nations that were civilised by these founding fathers uh, is benefiting from that society. The Aborigines are benefiting from uh, Christian society. Uh, as much as they may complain about uh, the, the, the faults and failings that might have occurred in the past, sure, nobody denies that. But we don't look at the past. We look at the present and how we can grow and learn. But it's not that. It's an ideal to attack the past in order to create a new ideal, a new system, which is based on the Masonic ideals. And we have to be aware of that. And the, the, same, thing, the same thing happened uh, during the Protestant Reformation. What did they do to Catholics uh, in England, in Ireland? Uh, they established the penal laws which forbade Catholics uh, from going to Mass, from uh, uh, having religious items, uh, entering uh, uh, professions, entering the army and having a position in the army, uh, becoming lawyers, becoming doctors. Uh, in Ireland, they were forbidden from using their uh, Gaelic language, speaking Gaelic, playing Gaelic music, songs, whatever. Uh, why was that? To rid them of their old ideas the old religion to rush in the new, 
religion. The new uh, religion based on, again, the Masonic uh, Protestant ideals, uh, which is uh, contrary to the principles set down by our Lord and, his, uh, and the Catholic faith. Uh, we are seeing, as I said, a cultural revolution. And what is, what is uh, this cultural revolution but a cultural genocide? Uh, and what is uh, cultural genocide? It is, as any standard uh, uh, dictionary will tell you, it is an attempt at the destruction of a group's culture, religion, and identity by means of active measures taken to achieve that purpose, to get rid of their art, their literature, their language, their beliefs, all aimed at spiritual death. And that, that's what we have seen in the Catholic Church. They got rid of our art, our literature, our music, our chant, uh, ancient faith, ancient beliefs, uh, whatever you want, and replaced them all with new morality, new beliefs, new ideals, new code of canon law, uh, new lectionaries, new interpretations of scripture. We have been stripped of our heritage, of our patrimony. Uh, and again, Pope Francis at this recent synod, what did he say? He said, we don't need uh, a new church, we need a different church. But I hate to break it to you, we already have, have a different church since the Second Vatican Council. No saint, if they rose from the dead, would recognise the post-conciliar church as Catholic. It's an apostate religion, headed by an apostate uh, pope. Uh, and that's the fact. What we are seeing today is cultural genocide within the church. And they are not happy with what they have achieved so far. They want to dismantle it even further to the point where it's no longer recognised as it was. And to be fair to this Pope, and I hate to shock you, this Pope is only being consistent with the, the uh, teachings that the other post-conciliar Popes laid for him. As far as Pope John Paul II was concerned, everybody saved it doesn't matter what you believe. That's what he worshipped at Assisi with all the false religions. Everybody's saved. Well, all religions are equal. And we all get together and we just acknowledge that God loves us regardless of what we believe, how we live or what we do. And if that's the case, then what Pope Francis is saying is only consistent. Then uh, everyone's welcome in this church, excepting, of course, those who hold to the old beliefs because they're an obstacle. But if you accept the new beliefs that everything is good and everything is all right, and you accept our ideals, then everyone's welcome. Because essentially, everyone's saved. doesn't matter what you do, no matter what you believe. So he's only been consistent and more honest with the, the principles of the revolution ushered in by the Second Vatican Council. And Pius, and Pius X, our holy patron, warned us long ago that a great movement of apostasy is being organized in every country for the establishment of a one-world church which will have neither dogma nor hierarchy under the pretext of freedom and human dignity. And that's what they use, all these weasel words. Uh, during the French Revolution, when they, again they put in a new calendar, uh, a, a new system of things, and they were preaching equality, liberty, fraternity. At the same time, every day in the hundreds of thousands, men and women were being guillotined. Because it's fraternity, equality and liberty for everyone who agrees with the revolution. And all those who hold to the old ideas, we must get rid of them. Pope Francis, everyone's welcome in his church. But then he puts out the edict of uh, traditionis custodis. Ah, we, we must stifle the old Latin mass people. We must crush them. 
out of existence because they're a hindrance to our new world order because he understands very well the old liturgy represents a totally different religion to the new liturgy. He's being consistent. He's being honest. Two worlds are at war. As St. Augustine said, two cities. The city of man versus the city of God. The city of man, says St. Augustine, is based on the love of self unto the contempt of God. The city of God is based on the contempt of self unto the love of God. We have two cities at war with each other today. Two religions at war with each other today. On a global scale. It is the Catholic Church and I've challenged many a person to show the contrary. It is the Catholic Church that has brought us modern science as we have it today. It is the Catholic Church that has given us Western civilization as we have it today. If it wasn't for the Catholic Church, we'd all be uh, uh, barbarians still to this day. It is the Catholic Church that understands what true culture is, what true civilization it is. St. Pius X, again, our holy patron on this point, says that the church has spread civilization wherever her apostles have preached, preserving and perfecting what was good in the ancient pagan civilization, rescuing from barbarism and raising it to a form of civilized society, the new people who took refuge in her bosom, and giving to the whole of human society, little by little, no doubt, but with a sure and ever onward march, that characteristic stamp which is still everywhere preserved. And today the the structure we have in society is still what we call a post-Christian society. The laws are still somewhat Christian, but they're being undermined at every level uh, by those in authority today on a global scale. We see that the Catholic uh, Church has embraced, unfortunately, the hierarchy has embraced these ideals and we've seen it since, especially since the Second Vatican Council which brought in a new a new concept of our faith, a new ideals which undermined the principles upon which this faith stood for thousands of years. And we have seen then the this reality constantly and slowly undermined. And we must be aware of it for what it is. Today, we see the church experiencing a slow death of its members. Most of the members of the church today, traditional or otherwise, are actually just pagans who go to Mass on Sunday of the few that still go to Mass. Because their ideals, their views, their outlook, their vision is no different than the pagans around them. I'm astounded to the depth of stupidity, and I use the word stupidity to be polite, of our secular leaders. I, I, I think, and I don't doubt, a 15-year-old could do a far better job at running the country than the incompetence we are seeing. But it's not done by accident. It's done on purpose. But where are the real men who claim that they care to take some initiative? I feel so many of us are unfortunately so more concerned about our fashion, our worldly uh, goals than we are about the state of affairs, whether in the church or in the state. And that's sad to see. Uh, Our apathy is, uh, in Australia, is just beyond comprehension uh, amongst our faithful. Uh, The poor attitude, the laziness, the indifference uh, is sad. Uh, When it comes to First Fridays, First Saturdays, uh, where is the holy hour with most people? Not there. Uh, 
almost when we come to do the reposition uh, on the Friday night, there's maybe five people there, five uh, sad, sad state of affairs. Uh, where is our, uh, our conviction today? Yeah, St. Pius X long ago pointed out to us that the revolution is inspired by Satan himself. It is the goal, uh, it has as its goal the destruction of the building of Christianity to reconstruct it upon the ruins of the social order of paganism, which is anti-God and godless. And it's this same uh, Pius X who said very well, what can we do? Well, he says, firstly, firstly, let us, let the priests and the faithful take care not to accept from uh, the liberals any ideas which, under the mask of good, pretend to reconcile justice with iniquity. Liberal Catholics are the wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, the priest must unveil to the people their perfidious plot, their iniquitous design. You will be called papists, clerical, retrograde, intolerant, but pay no heed to the derision and mockery of the wicked. Have courage. Uh, you must never yield, nor is there any need to yield. You must go into attack and wholeheartedly, not in secret, but in public, not behind barred doors, but in open, in the view of all. We must not be afraid to say what we need to say, to do what we need to do. It's our duty. Uh, what can we do? You know, when people say, Father, things are so bad, it seems hopeless. When our Lord, he sent out the apostles, notice our Lord never gave them a plan of things to say or do at all. He just said, I send you as sheep amongst wolves. Teach all nations whatsoever I have commanded you. That's all he told them. Sent them the Holy Ghost and left it to God's grace and providence and their own prudence and wisdom. That's our duty today. We celebrated the Feast of All Saints. It was the saints that converted the world with their conviction and courage of Christ in their hearts, on their lips, on their minds. And today, if it wasn't for the courageous resistance of the Archbishop, uh, there really, I don't think, would be any Latin Mass left at all, worldwide. But again, he was mocked, he was despised, excommunicated, spat upon, rejected for simply upholding the ancient faith. But he didn't budge. All the more became bolder, encouraged. By seeing their wickedness, all the more was he encouraged. All the more was he convinced that his work was the work of God. Because when the enemies of God attack you, then you know you're on the right track. You're on the right trail. It's, uh, it's very clear. And the Archbishop was motivated by that conviction. Today, for us, all the more, what we must first do is to uh, remove the revolution from our hearts. Because the ideals of the revolution have eaten away at our hearts. Look at the way we think, we speak, we act we dress, our attitude, it's not much different than that of the pagan. So we must first remove the revolution from our own hearts, from our own eyes, from our own attitude. That's not easy for us because we are at heart, we are all, and without exception, worldwide, the society, some pious tenth included, we are all liberal. We are brought up, as Archbishop Lefebvre said, we are brought up with the poison of liberalism in our mother's milk from the day we're born today. We are impacted by the society around us. 
And as I said, I, I show it to you in the apathetic attitude we have towards anything when it comes to our religion. Father, put notice in for the catechism, uh, poor attendance. Father, put notice in for the working bee, poor attendance. Why? Uh, because our focus is somewhere else. It's not for our God. Let's be honest about that. The revolution has eaten our hearts. So we have to tear it first out of our hearts and then out of our minds. And what do I mean by tearing the revolution out of our minds? I'll make it very clear for you what I mean. First, that we must be clear about the Catholic notions and principles. We must understand them. We must identify them and embrace them in their entire integrity. That means that we must be clear about the notion of truth and error, of good and evil, and their adequate distinctions. What is true? What is good? What is evil here? We make those distinctions. We must know the difference. We must be clear about the notion of law and its necessary agreement. To be just, it must be in union with the divine law. If it's not in union with the divine law, it's not a just law. For we can't defend it, we can't uphold it, we can't follow it, we can't accept it. It must be in union with the divine law. Uh, we must be clear about the rights and its necessary conformity to our end. When we speak about human rights, we often forget to speak about actually what is my duty? Uh, what is my duty? Uh, and if we speak about a right, is it in conformity with the very reason why God put me here on earth? I'm here to know, love and serve God and save my soul. If it's not, then it's not a real right. It's a delusion in our mind. That's all it is. Promoted by the secular humanists who are enemies of our faith. We must be clear about the principle of authority, which is at the foundation of the natural and the supernatural order, and its direct contradiction to the revolutionary notion of freedom. And again, what did they do? Under the, I think it was the last day of the, the, the synod. They, they walked in a procession and they said, we put the lay people first uh, to, to show that they have preference. Uh, it's demonic. It's a concept that, for them, it's an inversion of the order. But don't be deceived by the facade. They're not going to give over their authority to the lay people. But Francis and his cohorts, they're all tyrants and dictators. They put on a facade of, of, of these things, just a facade. But in practice, you've never seen a more evil and dictatorous hierarchy and pope than we are seeing today. So they're not going to let go of anything. But they speak, they use these words, equality, uh, fraternity, all these words, weasel words, but don't be deceived. But they invert the order established by God. Uh, today, uh, what is the, the most uh, attacked institution? The family. Uh, we have a false concept of, of family, of marriage today. We must uh, be clear about what we understand, the family, the basic unit of hierarchy, the respect for those in authority over us. Even though at times we may not be able to obey them, at times what they are saying is evil, we, we, we are very clear about that. But we respect the office nevertheless. We show that respect to the office because the hierarchical structure was given to us by God as a means of leading us uh, to God. Uh, that's why after the uh, uh, third commandment comes the, the one that relates to our parents. Why? Because the parents take... Uh, is a normal order of things, the representatives of God here on earth for us. Uh, the hierarchical structure must be uh, very clear in our mind. The notion of tradition as opposed to novelty, new ideas, new ways. 
we must love, value and respect tradition and customs as given to us throughout the ages uh, for which our forefathers lived and died, gave their life, being a witness to. Uh, today we have a, a duty to oppose the revolution not only in our hearts and in our minds but in the world around us. And we did something like this by our last Sunday's public profession, public profession of our faith. We must never be afraid uh, of publicly announcing our faith, publicly professing our faith, publicly attacking those who declare that religion is a private affair or that we must accept ideals or goals that are anti-Christian, anti-God. We are seeing uh, uh, on a global scale our faith, the Catholic faith, being attacked. Why, why, for example, are there in the hundreds of thousands, if not by the millions, Muslims being imported to the West so that those nations can no longer claim uh, a Christian identity? Muslims can go in procession and they do so with zeal. Catholics don't care for these things. Muslims can openly speak evil things in public. Death to Jews or death to Christians. Christians in Catholic countries today or Christian countries are not even allowed to pray in front of abortion clinics without being locked up and put in prison. How do you explain that? Where is the zeal for the, of the Christics for their faith? To accept such nonsense from a secular so-called uh, Christian democracy. And yet the Muslims can shout evil, vile things, and no, no, no punishment for them. But Christians can't pray in front of abortion clinic. You can't pray in public. It's uh, not allowed. And we've accepted this, and we've allowed it to be accepted. Instead of being enraged, we're not enraged. And that's a sad thing, because it means that, as I said, we are just pagans who go to Mass on Sunday. That's a betrayal of our Lord. That's why last Sunday's procession is such an important event in our life of our parish because it's a public witness of our devotion to our Lord and the world needs to see this public devotion because they have been poisoned by the ideals of the revolution and we must counteract it wherever and whenever we can. And if I can give you a, a noble example which always stuck in my mind from secular history because I think sometimes we can look at the lives of the saints and just think they are a nice fairy tale. Perhaps I'll give you a secular example so as to be able to give you the point that I'm trying to get at in very clear terms when we resist the revolution around us. And that is of a well-known character, Gaius Mutius Cordius, who lived in about the year 508 years before Christ. He was a, a, a young man in the uh, Roman camp Rome at that time was uh, uh, surrounded uh, by an enemy force. Uh, uh, and so uh, it recognized that the king, the Clausian, the Clausian king, Portia, was about to lay siege to Rome. And that would be the end of this uh, uh, great empire. And so this, uh, this young man, Gaius Mutius Cordius, he took leave from the Senate. He asked permission from the Senate to go into the camp of the enemy in order to assassinate the enemy. They gave him permission and he went in. And uh, there were two men. It was the day of the P 
paying the soldiers their money. And there was two men who dressed the same. So he went to uh, attack the man who he thought was in charge, uh, the king. But he ended up attacking simply the one giving out the money. And he made a mistake. And he was captured. But it's interesting, when he was captured, uh, he said to them, I am a Roman citizen. Uh, <clears throat> men and uh, call me Gaius Mutius. I came here as an enemy to kill my enemy. And I am ready to die as I am to kill. We Romans act bravely. And when adversity strikes, we suffer bravely. He also then declared that he was the first of 300 Roman young men to volunteer for the task of assassinating Portion at the risk of losing their own lives. And then he said, watch. As he said this, he grabbed hold of this, uh, this uh, fire that was lit uh, for offering sacrifice to the gods. So he thrust his uh, right hand into this fire and giving no indication of pain, uh, he kept his hand until it had burnt. And the king was so astounded that he said to him, uh, if this is what you are willing to suffer, uh, and you are only one for your kingdom, what a terrible kingdom must it be? He let the man go, convinced of the great uh, battle that is not worth fighting. If you're willing to risk all this to kill me, and you're, uh, you're only one of many more to come, he, he left uh, Rome be. And that's an example for us. Uh, this divine determination to never budge under the revolution, to never embrace the ideals of the revolution. Determination, conviction, uh, not by our words, but by our actions, that we will not budge and we will not uh, let go of our ancient faith. We will not compromise on the ancient faith, the ancient liturgy, the ancient teachings of the church. They're not up for negotiation. And notice how these men will lay down everything for secular, worldly ideals. And we, to gain the kingdom of God, what are we uh, willing to lay down? At the end of the day, these people, uh, like this man, what do they have after this life that would motivate them? Nothing. We have uh, uh, the life to come in great glory and splendor offered to us by our Lord. Our Lord says, He who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father. What should be our conviction, our determination when we see things like this around us in the world? We must not be uh, deterred. We must not be frightened. We must not be uh, 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 discouraged. On the contrary, all the more that the enemies of our faith, and I take it off my hat to the enemies of our faith, because they understand all the truths that the Catholic Church has understood far better than we do, because they attack them with such zeal. The leftists understand the natural order. That's why they despise it. They understand the value of, of a woman, of a mother. That's why they despise and reject it. All the more. Whatever they despise and reject, Whatever Pope Francis despises and rejects, all the more must we love it. Because it's very clear that it's an obstacle to the kingdom of Satan that they are working to establish in the world. It becomes all the more clearer for us. 
it's not something to be discouraged by. It means that we are on the right track. It means that we are doing the right thing. All the more should we be emboldened, encouraged, convinced that we have to be uh, upholding these uh, principles. And yeah, as the book of the Apocalypse says, it has been given to the beast the power to wage war against the saints and to defeat them. But the last victory is our Lord's. Our Lord's victory. Yeah, this time was prophesied by our Lord and the saints and the church fathers and doctors and popes. They taught us these things would come. It's part of our lot, like it was part of our Lord's lot. But we must remain firm. Uh, Our Lady was firm beneath the foot of the cross. She was not wavering. She was not doubting. It must be ours. I simply just want to con- conclude to you the beautiful words of that great anti-liberal Louis Vuitton, who said this about the revolution. He says, Let us never fear the apparent impossibility of human success. It is not our responsibility to achieve the longed-for restoration. The exploration of the power of the beast and the restoration of the rights of God, but to open the way for it, making it possible by believing in the power and the mercy of God. Yes, let us uh, uh, imagine the worst. Let us grant that the floods of irreligion has all the strength it boasts of, and that this strength can sweep us away. Well then, it will sweep us away. It is of no importance, provided that it does not sweep away the truth. We will be swept away, but we will leave the truth behind us, as those who swept away before us left it for us. Either the world still has a future or it has not. If we are arriving at the end of time, we are building only for our eternity. But if still long centuries must unfold by building for eternity, We are building also for our time. Whether confronted by the sword or by contempt, we must be strong witnesses of the truth of God. Our testimony will survive. There are plants that grow invincibly under the hand of the Heavenly Father. There where the seed is planted, a tree takes root. There where the martyr's bones lay, a church rises. Thus are formed the obstacles that divide and stop the floods. May Christ the King reign forever. Father, Son, Holy Ghost.